0: The Fieldwork Podcast was launched in the spring of 2019 to promote the voices and experiences of farmers. With listeners in all 50 states and more than 350,000 downloads and YouTube views, the show's first season produced 15 episodes that dove into Precision Ag, the power of farm data, cover crops, and more. Meet the co-hosts of the Fieldwork Podcast as we talk about all the hot topics that come with keeping agriculture sustainable, Coming
1: up. From the Ohio Farm Bureau studio, this is our Ohio Weekly. Highlighting those who grow our food, fiber, and fuel, while examining issues that are important for farmers and their neighbors throughout the Buckeye State. Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Here's our Ohio Weekly host, Ty Higgins
0: conversations about cover crops, conservation tillage, water management, just some of the topics you'll hear about when you tune in to the Fieldwork podcast, which is now in its second season. Fieldwork is dedicated to new discussions about agriculture, sustainability, and the experiences of those on farming's front lines. Joining us this week on Our Ohio Weekly, Mitchell Hora and Zach Johnson, the co-hosts of the Fieldwork podcast. So you're both farmers. Before we get into the podcast, kind of introduce yourself. Tell me what you do on the farm and where your farm's located. Mitchell, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, I'm a seventh generation farmer from Southeast Iowa, uh, Washington County. And um, on our farm, we farm about 700, a little over 700 acres with my dad farming. This year we've got corn, soybeans, rye, barley, and mustard uh, doing a lot of stuff with different research projects and soil health trials and such. So really trying to uh, make things interesting on our farm and try a bunch of fun, fancy stuff that keeps us really busy. Um, But I spend most of my time running my soil health data company, Continuum Ag. And uh, so we focus on helping other farmers to be able to implement more sustainable systems, but looking at just managing data just to help to drive short-term profitability while looking towards long-term sustainability goals.
3: Zach, where do you hail? I am in West Central Minnesota. I'm a fifth-generation farmer here. Farm about uh, close to 3,000 acres now with my dad. Um, We've got corn and soybeans and about four years ago, I started uh, an online uh, social media deal where I call myself the Millennial Farmer, and the entire idea was to try to show people what goes on on the farm day in and day out and show them the realities of of what goes on along with farming. And and about two years ago, that really took off on me, and now it's become a full-time job for both uh, my wife and myself. We've got uh, the YouTube channel, um, Instagram and Facebook as well, and now we're doing a couple of different podcasts, one of them being the Fieldwork podcast that I do with Mitchell. So, along with that, uh, farming with my dad around uh, 3,000 acres, like I said before, and um, kind of making a lot of connections through what I've done online, and that's how I got connected up with Mitchell and the people at
0: Minnesota Public Radio. Who's the better farmer? Uh, me. Oh, we oh we can't get into that. <laughs> So, how how do two farmers get their own podcast? Uh, you mentioned that you guys kind of connected, but did you know each other before field work? We actually didn't. It was uh, Minnesota Public Radio that connected the two of us. So, I,
3: I they had uh, they had Mitchell picked out ahead of time. They wanted Mitchell for whatever reason. I'm not sure. Nobody will ever know why, in God's name, they wanted him. But like, they got, got Mitchell um,
2: podcasting.
3: Yep, perfect face for podcasting. So they took Mitchell and uh, they needed somebody else and, and somehow or another, they ended up finding me. Uh, I'm sure they were looking online and and ended up contacting me and talking to me and saying, Hey, would you be interested? Um, we ran a couple of test trials, did a couple of, uh, of test, um, test podcasts and it sounds like they like it. And uh, the
0: rest is history from there. So now we've got a couple of seasons done and um, already starting conversations for season three yeah and and the numbers are amazing the download numbers and the amount of people that you reach week in and week out when this podcast drops uh, on wednesdays why is
2: field work so popular what about it is is there a draw i think to me i think we have approached it really well from the beginning and we've been very conscious about how we've approached it and that our role through the podcast is just to lay out the ideas it's to say here is overall very high level sustainability Here's a lot of different ways to do it. There's no one size fits all. You have to figure out how to make it work for your own farm and pick and choose. You know your farm. You need to figure out how to um, make it work for you. Here's a lot of different ideas. And here is a farmer who has actually implemented it. Plus, here is some experts uh, from industry or from universities who can help us to have the conversation and uh, open up the opportunity to think outside the box.
0: Zachary, a little leery about taking the sustainability route when it comes to a podcast. I mean, that word went from a buzzword to a curse word to no one really knows what the definition of it is. Uh, was the podcast and the idea to do something like this uh, a chance to wrangle in what sustainability really is or, or let the broadness of its meaning show? I, I would definitely say it's to let the broadness of the
3: meaning show. You know, there's not, we talk about it all the time on the show, how there's, there's just not a one size fits all way to do everything when it comes to farming especially, you know, everybody's got a different geography. So they've got different climates and different soils and different markets and different crops and access to different machinery. Uh, Everybody's operation is different. And so what we try and do is have the conversations with people that have seen both success and failure with uh, trying new things and just try and really have the conversations and talk to people about what's working, what isn't, and then talk to them, you know, as farmers, because Mitchell and I are both farmers. And so if we can have the conversation coming from both ends, opposite ends of the spectrum, really from where, where Mitchell's at to where I'm at. Um, I think it, it's just, it's a really progressive discussion when it comes to trying to figure out how do we help other farmers try to move the needle as we say, and, and really make the difference. And, and how do we move forward with all this and make it work for everybody.
0: Zach Johnson and Mitchell Hora are the co-hosts of the Fieldwork podcast, uh, joining us this week on our Ohio Weekly. As with anything, guys, that has to do with changing the way a farmer does his job, they don't just jump right in. You both as farmers and farmers across the country constantly making calculated risks. And I think that toe in the water for many when it comes to the first steps to sustainability would be cover crops. Uh, what are the apprehensions that farmers have to, to get over in order to establish a cover crop program on their operation?
2: I just tell the story, you know, on, on how we got into cover crops was starting relatively small. I mean, it was still, close to a hundred acres, but still relatively small. Didn't just jump in and try to do a whole bunch of it, but um, set up a side-by-side trial where we were just saying, hey, can these cover crops kind of work on the side hill where we want to reduce some erosion? Had some major concerns. We had no idea what the heck we were doing. Uh, this was the fall of 2015, um, but we were able to participate in a local cost share program through the state of Iowa. There's a bunch of other local farmers that were in the same boat. We were all going to kind of try it out together screwed up a whole bunch of things, ended up losing about $100 an acre in our first year um, on small areas, um, but had some major problems in looking at direct, you know, cover crop versus non-cover crop. But we were able to identify where we screwed things up, continue to learn from there. And uh, the benefits though, that we were seeing to our soil in year one made us a believer that, okay, there's some real positives happening. We, we implemented a lot of things that ended up Hurting us, um, but overall the crop still did extremely well. It was just in that side-by-side trial, the crop that did not have the cover crop on it did phenomenal—the best it'd ever done by far. So what we were batting up against was just a major uh, hurdle to try to overcome. Now we've been able to learn from that experience, and now we're seeing yield gains. We're seeing major profitability gains. I think the concern, though, know, for farmers is. This is going to change multiple pieces of my my operation, something that, you know, Zach and I have had a lot of conversations on too, that you can't just say, yeah, I'm going to throw out a cover crop and expect it to work, that you have to change multiple different aspects of your operation if you're going to actually get a benefit and actually make that cover crop work correctly. And sometimes it's hard to do that at a small scale if we're talking about different equipment and different management and uh, distracting your time away from managing your operation. To manage something small scale,
0: Zach, I mentioned that uh, cover crops are kind of the gateway practice, if you will, for uh, getting into soil health. What What are the more advanced practices that we're seeing more of across the country?
3: Well, cover crops is certainly a big one. You know, it's it seems to be pretty common attitude now to try to uh, reduce tillage, what you can, and uh, and try to work in some cover crops if you can. And I think a lot of people are kind of at the point where where I'm at, where I see the advantages to no-till and cover crops but I'm trying to really figure out how can I work that into my operation because Mitchell did a really good job there of explaining that you know not only is it okay today we stop tilling and tomorrow we'll plant cover crops. Well, so we need to figure out how can that work on a farm like mine where we are two people essentially. Most of the time it's just dad and I trying to manage 3,000 acres and so really having the, the equipment and the human aspect, the labor, and and then the finances as well, to try and figure out how does this work logistically on my farm and economically. Because if it doesn't work those two ways, it's not going to be a long-term thing, right? We're we're really just throwing stuff at the wall and and hoping something sticks, and um, that we really don't have a lot of room for that kind of error in farming. So we're trying to figure out. How do we really make it work, how do we go about this in a smart way to really make a difference instead of just, um, instead of just throwing, throwing it out there in the wind and, and hoping on a prayer, right? We've, we, I think the real advantage to it all comes when we figure out how do we work it into the total operation uh, and
0: maintain the efficiency
3: that we've gotten to today.
0: Talking with the co-hosts of the Fieldwork podcast, Mitchell Hora and Zach Johnson. They're in their second season of the podcast. Uh, You know, we're coming out of of COVID-19. The pandemic shot a huge hole in profitability for agriculture and farmers were operating on a thin margin as it was. Uh, Will, what happened in 2020 have an impact of the pace of new practices being adopted by farmers?
2: I think 100% will. Um, And that's something that I've had some different conversations along those lines of, you know, for a farmer to be able to implement something that is new, um, implement new technology, implement new practice, implement new edge of field practices, or try to diversify their operation, it takes capital to be able to do that. And with markets as bad as they are, and uh, and going to stay long term, not good because of um, ethanol demand, of course, has been massively hurt. There's a lot of issues going on in the animal supply chain right now already had different trade issues going on just global trade and everything is a problem Um, but then also the value of the dollar is going to massively screw up um, a lot of our trade opportunities with um with foreign countries so this is definitely going to be going on for a long time and farmers can't necessarily invest back in their operations if they have no money in their pocket um there's some cost share things available but all these cost share It's called cost share for a reason. There's still a share in the cost from the farmer themselves. You don't get anything for free. You've got to invest in it too. There's a cost to all of it. And um, it's tough to be able to do those new things when you're just trying to get by, um, make it to the next year, pay back the operating note at the bank, and be able to continue to survive. So uh, we're trying to get more creative with getting the supply chain, getting the consumer, getting these groups that are off the farm involved in the operation so we can all work together to improve water quality and sequester carbon and improve nutrient density of the crops that we're producing. So I think it's just gonna take a larger effort um, and hoping that there's a lot of non-ag groups that can come in to help um, to be part of a solution.
0: Mitchell Hora and Zach Johnson host the Field Work Podcast. New innovations aren't cheap and as Mitchell mentioned, will need some non-ag sources in order to fund those new innovations and technologies for the future. What does that look like? Are those private investors? Is it USDA? We'll talk more about that coming up after this on our Ohio Weekly.
4: Here in Ohio, we grow possibilities. By investing in the Soybean Checkoff, farmers can concentrate on running their operations, while the Ohio Soybean Council creates new opportunities for future generations. The Soybean Checkoff works to get new soy-based products on the market, builds relationships with international buyers, and partners with researchers to increase yield and on-farm profitability. Learn more at soyohio.org slash herewegrow. This message brought to you by
0: Ohio Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. With over 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $1.4 billion. Much of that value comes from standard-bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers, who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA members and Ohio agriculture is undeniable. Farmers provide feed, Betting and stables for the horses and in turn those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to ohio's county fairs bringing revenue to our rural communities ohha membership has its privileges members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies receive continuous industry education and valuable information in ohha newsletters and magazines check out ohha.com to find out how the ohio harness horsemen's association is making great strides for you that's ohha.com
5: Fred, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Paytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Paytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local
4: legend. Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company & Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio.
6: Are you a small business owner supporting and involved with agriculture such as farm equipment, food processing, grocery store, or restaurant service? Do you continue to search for reliable and affordable health coverage? Then search no more. The Ohio Farm Bureau has taken action to offer a new self-funded medical plan to save on expenses. This new health benefits plan, administered in part by Medical Mutual, offers great rates, expanded well care, fixed monthly payments, and a variety of plan designs to meet your needs. Specialty products available to employees include dental, vision, and disability at specially discounted rates. This plan also includes a 24-7 nurse line and a physician consultation service for your convenience. Search no more. Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Receive your exceptionally discounted
0: quote today. That's OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Have you heard about the Ohio Farm Bureau Energy Program? Eligible members are saving an average of 15% on their electric and natural gas bills. The program works through a network of suppliers to secure cost-saving pricing in competitive electric and natural gas regions. We've heard from members who've saved hundreds of dollars annually on their energy costs. Getting started is easy. Simply call the Energy Program customer service line, 800-830-3501, and our representative will assist you from there, 800-830-3501. You can also visit OFBF.org slash savings to learn
1: more. More of our Ohio Weekly with Ty Higgins next.
0: This is our Ohio Weekly. Thanks for listening. I'm Ty Higgins. This week, visiting with Mitchell Hora and Zach Johnson. They are the two hosts of the Fieldwork podcast. They have reached all 50 states in just their season and a half of the podcast so far. 350,000 downloads. YouTube views as well. Uh, Guys, uh, thank you for being with us this week. And, And Mitchell, before we went to the break, you mentioned that there would be some non-ag investments needed in order to help innovations get from the technology side of things to the farm level. I know that looks like maybe a lot of different things, private investors, USDA, maybe some government funding as well here in Ohio. Uh, We have an initiative called H2Ohio that our governor put into place and it uh, funds farmers to take on more best management practices for water quality. Uh, You mentioned those BMPs come at a price. Uh, The goal here is to get the highest return for the environment for the lowest economic impact. Uh, People really don't understand uh, it's not just throwing a bunch of cover crops on the field. Uh, There are some uh, six-figure pieces of equipment that can be implemented. There are practices that uh, you simply just can't Put on your bottom line.
2: And I, I really like that H2Ohio program. Um, I've been able to see quite a bit of info on that. Um, I work with multiple crop consultants that are in that area. And it's really great that there's additional economics there. What I had heard the other day was that they've kind of backed off on the timing of, of that program, but really great that it's still going to happen um, and the governor is, is prioritizing it. Um, but I think just having the money there doesn't solve all your problems. And Zach alluded to this earlier too. It's how do I economically and logistically make a change? So that's where I think saying, okay, hey, this is great. I'm drastically reducing my economic risk now because of this new program, whether it be H2Ohio or others. Um, but let me make sure that I do my homework, that I do my research, that I find you know somebody that can mentor me or I find somebody that can help me through this process to make sure that I don't drastically screw things up Um, Just because I'm out there taking the economic incentive, it's got to work logistically for your operation. How
0: much does data play a role in finding that environment economic balance?
2: I'm kind of biased. I think it plays a really big role. Um, I think it just helps as a guideline and helps you to make better decisions. Um, But I think the data is also going to be important for us to tell our story um, and to be able to scale a value add system or scale the sustainability story. And um, well, Zach and I were having a conversation this morning actually kind of about that on, it's the qualitative data that Zach does better than anybody in farming and the quantitative, you know, numeric data that, that has to be combined together. I think if we are going to implement a sustainability value add farm to fork system, it's all gotta come together.
0: That's Mitchell Hora. He and Zach Johnson co-host the Fieldwork podcast. Uh, Zach, you mentioned that you farm 3,000 acres with your dad. Uh, many would hear that number and think, wow, that, that's a whole lot of ground to cover. Uh, and, and they might not call you uh, sustainable. We hear a lot of arguments about sustainable ag versus conventional ag. I think you're proof that they can be one and the same.
3: Yeah. And you know, we're like every other farmer where we're always trying to get better, but I do believe that when you have a uh, larger acreage, it's important to be efficient, especially if you're limited on labor in the way that we are. So it's, it's important to be efficient. And that's part of our challenge is figuring out, you know, how do we make these decisions to not just affect 40 acres or a hundred acres, but we want to really change the 3000 acres. And so we're, we're working with several people right now to try and figure out how we can uh, do a better job of trying to get some cover crops going. We haven't had great success with it in the past. Same with no-till. Um, we're looking at reducing some tillage and uh, we did reduce a little bit of tillage in the last couple of years and had good luck with it, particularly this year where we had a dry spring. But I, I really think figuring out how to concentrate more on soil health and water quality as a larger farm Is one way that we're gonna really make a big difference because there are large farms out there. And in our area, you know, we're not even one of them. So it it really is a regional thing. You know, you look at our area and 3,000 acres really isn't that large. Uh, You go up to Saskatchewan, Montana, North Dakota areas up there, uh, 3,000 acres is nothing once you get up there where those guys run. Uh, So I think really trying to figure out how do we do this, not just at, at some of the smaller levels and with smaller pieces of land, but ultimately looking down the road how do we work this into the larger operations to make sure we're making as big of a difference as what we can and getting the full benefit from some of these changes that we hopefully
0: have coming we are right in the midst of season two of the field work podcast drops every wednesday uh, visiting with the co-host mitchell and zach Uh, mitchell give us some of the highlights of season two so far and and what to expect uh, in the coming weeks
2: well the first thing that comes to mind on that is Kind of exactly what Zach was just alluding to on if we're going to do sustainability and be able to clean up water or sequester carbon, you know, it's got to be at scale, massive scale. Um, one of my favorite parts of uh, season two was my conversation with Rick Clark. And Rick Clark is doing cover crops, no-till on 7,000 acres in Indiana. Um, and he's transitioning a lot of it to no-till as well, no-till organic, uh, which is really tough. To be able to do, and he's making it work with a ton of success. So I really like that. Um, but really like overall with with season two that we get further into the thought process of adopting sustainable ag systems, still opening up new ideas, um, but just digging that much further into it. Um, and I'm sure in season three and and hopefully more seasons after that, we'll really continue to dig in deep. Um, and that's why I think. What I like about the podcast overall is is that it's very educational for sure, but we have a really good time while we're at it and that it's fun to listen to.
0: How can our listeners find the podcast? Uh, we are at
3: fieldworktalk.org and fieldworktalk on everything, including uh, YouTube,
0: Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The co hosts of the Fieldwork podcast, Mitchell Hora and Zach Johnson, joining us this week on Our Ohio Weekly. Fellas, thank you so much for taking time for us and congrats on season two and many more seasons to come.
2: Thanks, Ty, great to uh, chat today.
0: Yeah, thank you, Ty, appreciate it. Our Ohio Weekly continues after this. You're listening to Our Ohio Weekly, I'm Ty Higgins. Let's go now to our weekly segment to the beat of agriculture. Today's story is about a family and farm that's expanded over the years. But for one member in particular, Growth isn't just happening in the field. It's also happening through experiential education.
7: My name is Sarah Eisen. I live in Moscow, Ohio, which is located in Claremont County. I am a second-generation rancher. I moved back to Ohio in 2016 with my husband, Josh, and we decided to move back to the family farm and um, grow our cattle herd and open up a direct-to-consumer uh, beef company, which is now called Flourish in Rome. And we also specialize in pasture-raised pork and chicken. I'm also a food safety consultant, as well as a assistant professor at Northern Kentucky University. I have uh, two children, Thea, who is four, and Declan is two. Before my husband and I got married, we were figure king and queen at the same time, uh, we knew who each other were. Um, we just both grew up in the 4 H circuit, sharing, an- uh, showing animals. And we just happened to, you know, have our love and passion for agriculture at an early age and just happened to be fair king and queen at the same time. And then fast forward almost a decade later, when we um, both went to the same undergraduate university at Moorhead State University. And I was actually finishing my master's at the time, and we had a mutual friend and kind of reconnected. And I guess the rest is history. Right now, we're making it. (laughs) We call it the home farm. So the home farm is where we we live in a nuclear family (laughs) environment with um, my parents and my grandmothers are here. And so the home farm is where my grandparents originally bought the farm in the early 1960s, and they ran a large Horse boarding facility, and I called it like the Dude Ranch of the day, where they'd have people come out and had big parties, and they did stage coaches. So there's definitely a lot of of memories that were made here on that farm. But we really wanted to keep that legacy here within the family and share with you know the kids as they grow up. When when I started my meat business, I was at a farm to cafeteria conference, and. I had a table booth set up. It was probably my, I think it was my first event that I even did when I started my company. So I was like brand new, really had no idea what I was doing, starting the business or what direction my meat company was going to go in and what direction we were going to take the farm. There happened to be somebody from the Ohio Farm Bureau there and she came up to me and we started chatting and I was telling her about my background and what my interests were. And she was like, hey, you should apply for Ohio Farm Bureau's AgriPower. Sure. What is that? You know, sounds like fun. So I went home, did a little bit of Googling, submitted my application for AgriPower, which was Ohio Farm Bureau's Leadership Advocacy Training Program. Through the AgriPower program, I was able to really dive in and see why the Farm Bureau is truly a grassroots organization so the PAL program is Partners in Advocacy Leadership, and this is the American Farm Bureau's Leadership and Advocacy Training Program. So it's kind of the next step up from the state level. It definitely, um, it's been the most challenging program that I've yet to be in, um, besides completing my dissertation and my PhD. It really challenges a lot of your um uh, really digs deep at trying to identify what you are really good at doing um, in terms of agricultural advocacy work and how you work with people, your leadership abilities. The PAL program also focuses a lot on policy development at the national level. So outside of just the state level organization, which is an interesting experience to look at because a lot of the issues, we'll use water quality as an issue because we have a a lot of water quality issues here in Ohio. Well, our water quality issues in Ohio are a lot different than the water quality issues that are going on in Colorado. You know, when you're designing, developing policy for the American Farm Bureau, you know, how do you kind of join those two different states to align in terms of water quality. So you're doing a lot of reading, a lot of books. You do a lot of media trainings. Um, Storytelling is a really big component of that with social media because the social media is a great platform to connect with people outside of our normal circle. And then there's also an international component to the POW program. Um, Our major issue that we were talking about was trade. Since we started last fall, we had um, all of our modules were based around trade. So we talked about trade a lot. So we were supposed to go to China originally. That got actually kind of cut short because of some of the um, discussions between the U.S. and China. They were actually having a difficult time aligning agriculture for us to see in China. So we were gonna go to Japan. But now with COVID hitting, we've probably our international component's going to be held off probably till 2021. I definitely recommend um, anybody that if you're a farmer, a rancher, if you have backyard bees in your and you live in the suburbs or you are interested in agriculture, re- go to Ohio Farm Bureau um, online and look for your local organization director. Contact them, see how you can get involved.
0: That's our weekly segment to the Beat of Agriculture. For more on anything you heard today, visit OFBF.org. That's OFBF.org. We'll be right back on our Ohio Weekly.
4: $500 in bonus cash on eligible Ford vehicles. $750 in bonus cash on eligible Lincoln vehicles. All it takes is to be, or become, a member of the Ohio Farm Bureau. Bonus cash applies to purchases and leases. For all the program requirements and details, visit OFBF.org. Big bonus cash on new Fords and Lincolns, exclusively for Ohio Farm Bureau members. Visit OFBF.org.
5: Brad, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Peytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Peytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local legend.
4: Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio.
8: Are you a small business owner supporting agriculture, such as farm equipment, food processing, grocery store, or restaurant service? Do you continue to search for reliable and affordable health coverage? Search no more. The Ohio Farm Bureau has taken action to offer a new self-funded medical plan to save on expenses. This new health benefits plan, administered in part by Medical Mutual, offers great rates, expanded well care, and a variety of plans designed to meet your needs. Specialty products available to employees include dental, vision, and disability at specially discounted rates. This plan also includes a 24-7 nurse line and a physician consultation service for your convenience. Search no more. Visit OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. Receive your exceptionally discounted quote today. That's OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org. OFBHealthBenefitsPlan.org.
1: Our Ohio Weekly with Ty Higgins continues after this.
0: This is our Ohio Weekly. Welcome back. I'm Ty Higgins. About a week and a half ago, we heard from the EPA administrator, Andrew Wheeler, that he has uh, appointed some new members to what's known as the Great Lakes Advisory Board. It's a 14-member panel that helps the EPA make uh, best decisions to restore water quality all across the region. We were happy to find out that one of my Farm Bureau colleagues, Dr. Larry Antosh, Senior Director of Policy Development and Environmental Policy with Ohio Farm Bureau, is part of this advisory board. Dr. Antosh, welcome to our Ohio Weekly. Well, good morning, Ty, and thank you. Tell me about the advisory board uh, and, and what it exactly does. I know I gave a little bit of a of a reason behind it, but can you go in more in depth about it? Sure can, Ty. Uh, the advisory
9: board itself, the Great Lakes Advisory Board, was established, I believe, in 2013. It- it kind of sunset for a while, and they've uh, recently just um, re-in- reinstituted it. The board itself is a advisory group to US EPA uh, Region 5, which is uh, Chicago, and the um, Great Lakes National Program Office. Basically, um, we're, we will be asked, from what I understand, we'll be asked to uh, provide insight and input into decisions dealing with the uh, Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and then also
0: uh, the uh, Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement. We call you our mad scientist at the office because you know a lot about water quality and and what goes into uh, what needs to happen in order to make our water better and our Great Lakes even greater. Uh, Give me your background uh, as as a scientist and what you bring to the table. Essentially my whole career has been in water resource management and water quality
9: Uh, from the standpoint of uh, my uh, college degrees in in environmental science and water resource management, uh, ultimately coming up with getting a PhD at at Iowa State University. Um, Was on faculty for a while at Penn State University, overseeing there was the largest undergraduate uh, multidisciplinary uh, program in the uh, College of Agriculture at Penn State. Came over to Ohio, EPA uh, was there what, what I thought was going to be a short-term, oh, postdoc type type experience, and that ended up being 13 years managing the and overseeing the nonpoint source program, and then also some of the other watershed management activities. Uh, Ohio Farm Bureau, our board had, and and their great wisdom, 21, 22 years ago, created a position that I'm in now, in which I'm overseeing the uh, environmental issues, primarily water quality initiatives of of Ohio Farm Bureau, making sure our members are actively engaged in the discussions uh, dealing with water quality.
0: It's the old adage, if you're not at the table, you can't judge the menu. Well, and you bring all that experience uh, with you. and With Ohio Farm Bureau as well, you've learned that agriculture uh, is is doing a lot uh, as far as water quality and nutrient management is concerned, especially here over the last 10 years uh, as you have uh, seen these changes and improvements throughout not just the uh, Lake Erie watershed but all throughout Ohio. How important is it that Ohio agriculture uh, with you here as part of this uh, Great Lakes Advisory Board uh, is part of the conversation? Well, I
9: think it's a huge opportunity for Ohio Farm Bureau, for Ohio agriculture, and essentially for agriculture across the, the Great Lakes region to have a, an agricultural representative on, on this advisory board to bring that perspective. I'll be able to reach out to my counterparts in the other Great Lakes states and to American Farm Bureau as issues come up and be able to uh, bring those uh, decisions and, and discussions uh, both out to
0: get the the real world uh, response and then bringing it to the the group itself. You mentioned a couple of things that you are uh, really keyed in on, the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative and the Great Lakes Water Quality Agreement, uh, that latter one between the U.S. and Canada. So obviously there are goals Uh, as you get into this new membership position of the uh, uh, advisory board. uh, What are those goals here, short-term and long-term in your view? From
9: what I, can tell. And again, we're just being appointed and not not meeting, but from the background, the materials that I've, I've seen, uh, a lot of it is dealing with the implementation of the Great Lakes uh, Water Quality Agreement uh, in terms of the each of the states and, and US EPA developed for, for the U.S. what they're calling the Domestic Action Plan. How do we move forward with addressing the nutrient reduction needs and, and goals uh, to meet those commitments. Uh, So from that standpoint, I see a lot of interaction with what Ohio is doing. We now have uh, Governor DeWine's H2Ohio initiative, which plays a pivotal role, I I believe, in, in Ohio's efforts in helping to meet those
0: reduction goals. Dr. Larry Antosh, Senior Director of Policy Development and Environmental Policy with Ohio Farm Bureau, just named one of 14 members of the Environmental Protection Agency's Great Lakes Advisory Board. Uh, Dr. Antosh, congratulations again, and thanks for your time. Uh, hope to keep up to date with you as this committee moves forward. Okay, Ty, thank you very much. You can safely keep your social distance on an ATV while checking out some of the most beautiful parts of the Buckeye State. I'll tell you more about a County Farm Bureau ATV tour after this. On our Ohio weekly. For many, the COVID-19 crisis made it feel like the world stopped. But for Ohio Farm Bureau and our members the work never did. As you spend early mornings in the barn and late nights in the field, Ohio Farm Bureau continues to be at the forefront, advocating and educating to help our members navigate through these challenges. Ohio's resilient agriculture community will get through this with the strength of the state's largest farm organization. Get updates and become a member at ofbf.org/still farming. Ohio Farm Bureau, together with farmers.
5: Brad, let me introduce you to one of the most important people in Paytonville. Is she the mayor? No, insurance agent. She must be really good. The best. That's why she chooses Nationwide to help protect all the families, businesses, and dreams in Peytonville. People really count on her. Seems like she's a local celebrity. She's a local legend.
4: Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company and Affiliates, Columbus, Ohio. Hi, this is John Maryhugh, Director of Member Services for the Ohio Farm Bureau. Case IH is a proud supporter of the Ohio Farm Bureau. Working to build strong, prosperous agricultural communities, the Ohio Farm Bureau protects the future of your farm and your neighbor's farms all year long. And thanks to this strong partnership, Ohio Farm Bureau members receive a discount up to $500 on qualifying Case IH equipment. Choose from Case IH Farmall Series tractors. Including compact, Utility, and 100A Series, and maximum Series tractors as well. Plus save on hay and forage equipment like self-propelled windrowers, mower conditioners, and large square round balers. This discount may be used with other promotions, rebates, or offers. And it's available for every qualifying Case IH tractor and piece of equipment you purchase. Join Ohio Farm Bureau today to pocket up to $500 in savings. Get your discount by visiting OFBF.org.
0: Where can your Ohio Farm Bureau member benefits take you? No matter the destination, Avis and Budget Rental Car will get you there. Did you know that Ohio Farm Bureau members can save up to 25% off base rates and are eligible to receive other rental car discounts like dollars off or a free upgrade? So before you put that car in drive, log on to OFBF.org slash savings and click on the Avis or Budget logo. Avis and Budget, great rental car discounts exclusive to Ohio Farm Bureau members. Find them at OFBF.org slash savings. Show your Ohio Farm Bureau pride with a new t-shirt, hat, or hoodie. Available now at OFBF.org shop. The new Farm Bureau logo is now featured on a full line of clothing for men, women, kids, and babies. You can even add the Farm Bureau mark on water bottles, mugs, cell phone cases, and more. All from one spot. OFBF.org shop. A bandana for the dog, a pillow for the couch, or an apron for the grill master. OFBF.org shop. That's OFBF.org shop. With over 300,000 horses in Ohio, the economic impact of the equine industry in the state is valued at $1.4 billion. Much of that value comes from standard bred horse owners, breeders, trainers, and drivers, who participate in the sport of harness racing in the Buckeye State, all supported by the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. Since 1953, the mission of the OHHA is to preserve, protect, promote, and serve the entire standard bred industry in Ohio and beyond. And the relationship between OHHA members and Ohio agriculture is undeniable. Farmers provide feed, Betting and stables for the horses, and in turn, those amazingly fast four-legged athletes provide a major draw to Ohio's county fairs, bringing revenue to our rural communities. OHHA membership has its privileges. Members reap the benefits of having a strong voice for shaping statewide policies, receive continuous industry education, and valuable information in OHHA newsletters and magazines. Check out OHHA.com to find out how the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association is making great strides for you. That's OHHA.com.
1: Stick around. Our Ohio Weekly with Ty Higgins continues following these messages.
0: Welcome back to our Ohio Weekly. I'm Ty Higgins. Well, normally in this segment, we feature what local county farm bureaus are doing for their community. We've mentioned a lot of outreach efforts due to COVID-19 and the global pandemic. But we're now starting to get back into events being held across the state, uh, very safely, of course, with social distancing in mind. Todd Ensley joins me. He's a nationwide agent in Coshocton County and a board member of Coshocton County Farm Bureau. They're getting ready for an ATV farm tour uh, coming up in July on the 11th. And, Todd, uh, as we talk about getting back into the swing of things, of course, we have social distancing in mind, and that's pretty easy to do uh, in the open air of Coshocton County on an ATV.
10: Yeah, Ty, we're pretty excited to be able to get out and actually uh, let people look forward to something and uh, you know, get out and see the, the local community, uh, see a couple nice farms in the area and just have a nice day. Uh, we're hoping for nice weather, and if that's the case, I think we'll have a pretty nice time.
0: It is one of my favorite parts of the state. Uh, the hills start to roll, and it's going to be a time where there's going to be a lot of green in those fields of corn and soybeans and a lot of uh, great stops along the way, including your cattle farm there to start and to finish. Walk me through the day's events and uh, what those on tour are going to be able to see.
10: Yeah, so on Saturday, July 11th, we're starting at my place, and we'll have a spot where people can park their trailers if they're, you know, bringing their side-by-sides or ATVs in on trailers, and we'll have the registration, um, you know, to finish registration up that morning. And then we're going to start out from my place there and head up to uh, Fender's Fish Hatchery. Um, and we're going to take a look at their operation. Um, They send fish all over the eastern United States. They do a great job with it. Uh, Pretty cool operation, multiple ponds that he has up there. And uh, after that, we're going to head over to Darty's new dairy facility they just built. It's a robotic dairy. Just finished that barn up in, uh, I think it was about March. And uh, they're milking around 200 cows right now. I think they're hoping to get up to around 250 here later this summer. And uh, we're going to get a chance to get uh, behind-the-scenes tour And uh, see those robots up close and also just kind of take a look around that barn. I know it's one of those things where when you see a barn like that go up, everybody's curious, and this is a good opportunity for you to get out and see that. And then from there, we're continuing on to Jared and uh, um, Jandy Adams's Hop Yard, Kashokin Hop Yard, and they grow hops here locally. Uh, They sell them to a couple local breweries as well. And they've been developing this hop yard over the last four or five years, put a lot of hard work into it. And it's one of those things that's still fairly new to our area. You don't see a whole lot of hop yards around. So I have not my seen it myself either, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing this. And uh, after that, we're hopping, hopping back on the ATVs and heading back to uh, my place. Um, we have uh, dinner planned out at my place. And, uh, you know, we hope to be able to still have, a, like you said, a socially distancing um uh, evening there but you know we'll, we'll make do while some picking tables outside we're going to have the caterer you know plate the food for us and try to to obviously uh respect those requirements that are put in place right now but i think it's important that uh we try to still um be seen as a local farm bureau and to uh to let farm bureau members come together and socialize and to be able to get back out and have something to look forward to as well,
0: well between your cattle farm the fish hatchery the robotic dairy and the hop yard it really shows the diversity of coshoxon county
10: yeah, we're hoping to make this an annual event too, and maybe move it around the county. Um, we have the support of our local sheriff's department. We're going to have them um, in assisting us crossing a couple of the state routes, but for the most part, we're going to be on the back roads. We're going to be enjoying, you know, um, enjoying those those back roads that are winding, and we're going to try to have some trail riding as well mixed in. So we'll have a little bit of you know road time and trail riding, and if it goes well, um, we'll, we'll try to make an annual event. Uh, right now, tickets are going um, really well. Um, I think we're probably about only 30 tickets left or so. So, I mean, if you have some interest, definitely reach out to my office or our County Farm Bureau's office. Uh, Kayla Jones can help you get tickets as well.
0: Ohio Farm Bureau members are $40 per person. Non-members, $60 to take part in the ATV tour on July 11th. And, Todd, uh, for those wanting to get those tickets, how can they go about doing that?
10: Yeah, so you can call my office at uh, 740-622-1111. Or you can also reach out to our local Farm Bureau office. Uh, If you call their office, they will be able to um, take down your credit card. And I should have had Kayla's number up here. Let me see if I can find that.
0: I got it here, 740-452-2356. And you can also reach out to koshockton at OFBF.org. And Todd, uh, again, coming up on July 11th, the ATV Farm Tour there in Coshockin County. I really appreciate you taking time. Todd Inslee is a Nationwide agent and a board member there at Coshockin County Farm Bureau. And I uh, hope you have great weather and a great time and be able to uh, get some much-needed fresh air after what we've been through over the past three months.
10: That sounds good, Todd. Yep, we're looking forward to it, and uh, I think it's going to be an enjoyable day.
1: Our Ohio Weekly is supported by Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side and produced by Ohio Farm Bureau, working together for Ohio farmers to advance agriculture and strengthen our communities. Be sure to visit Our Ohio Weekly's podcast page to listen to previous episodes at OFBF.org slash Our Ohio Weekly.
0: As always, a special thanks to Vince Tornero. He produced To the Beat of Agriculture. Thank you for listening. I'm Ty Higgins. We'll see you down the road.